You know, for centuries, the ultra-wealthy have been putting their money where their mouths are by investing in fine wine. And now, with Vint, you can do that too. At Vint, we offer SEC-qualified investment opportunities of fine wine and spirits curated by our experts with portfolio managers. With Vint, you can invest and diversify into the most sought-after assets that have a history of price appreciation. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. Welcome to This is Civity Radio Show. I'm Gina Valeria. Civity helps people in communities build a culture of respect and empathy across difference, and our interviews explore how people across the country and world are doing this in their communities. Today, we welcome Zach Bell and Ron Towns, co-founders and co-directors of Camp Common Ground. Camp Common Ground is a summer camp that brings racially and economically diverse middle schoolers together to teach them about leadership, social, emotional, and cultural competencies, and how to develop meaningful relationships with each other. So, Zach and Ron, welcome to this Civity. Thank you so much for having us here. Glad yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Gina. Cool, thanks. So, anyway, I'm thrilled to have you, and I understand you guys just finished a camp, Common Ground. So um, first, I guess, start by telling me a little bit more about what Camp Common Ground is, and then I want to jump into kind of what happened last week. Sure. Um, So we um, are called Camp Common Ground, but we're actually um, a summer camp plus a school year program. Um, And so our mission is to disrupt cycles of racial and economic segregation um, um, in the Bay Area. And so what we do is um, we bring... Um, every summer, um, between um, 30 and 40 uh, middle schoolers together who represent a large uh, variety of racial and economic demographic communities. Um, and we bring them to our program to do a few things. Um, one, to organically build relationships with one another. Um, the reality is that middle schools... Um, particularly where we live in Oakland and in um, also San Francisco as well, are segregated um, by race and class. So we bring kids um, together to meet one another who, and they're meeting kids who they normally wouldn't meet um, otherwise. Um, And then we also um, have a curriculum where we teach them um, a series of skills um, to go back and disrupt cycles of segregation in their schools and communities, um, which we can talk about more of how we do that um, as we progress through that. I would love to talk about how we (laughs) Because that is the main thing. So so that's pretty incredible. How long have you guys been around? So we just finished our third summer. um, And so we uh, met about four years ago working at a summer camp together um, in uh, Oakland, Camp Galileo. And uh, we we started um, after that summer, so sort of in August. So this is – we just finished our third summer. It's been about – yeah, it's been a pretty incredible ride. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me first of all, um, gosh, there's so many ways to go, but I do actually want to talk about how do you get at some of those issues that we face in society right mm-hmm. now? How, what are you doing with the kids to help sort of create new pathways or new ways of doing this? Sure. Um, so the first thing is um, we – chose summer camp because of the research around the, the socialization that can happen at summer camp. Um, and so we do a variety of things with kids. So first I'll talk about um, kind of the different things that we do and the purpose behind them um, in terms of our, our mission. So the first thing that we do is we offer a series of traditional camp activities like um, electives such as archery, theater, sports, cabin time. And the focus of those are, are is that kids from different backgrounds are building organic relationships with one another either around a common interest or a community, a sub-community within our camp. But the focus of those is to build relationships um, 
that are meaningful um, that they with people who they may not otherwise build relationships with. Um, the other part of our program are workshops and simulations, and and, and I really feel like those distinguish us from other programs. Mm-hmm. Um, in our workshops, we teach, um, we have two kind of cohorts each mm-hmm. summer. And so in each of those cohorts, kids learn a, a set of six skills um, that center around um, intercultural understanding or identity, um, empathy, and leadership. So our year one kids learn certain skills, and our year two kids learn certain skills. And then the last part is the simulations that we do, which is where they actually apply those skills. Um, and so they apply them in kind of a contrived, controlled environment as a way to practice them before during the school year when they come, when we continue to work with them, they um, use those skills to actually implement change in their schools and communities, like with in their actual context. That's um, so that's kind of the, the overview. That's amazing. So how do the schools um, accept that? You know, is, are, do you, have you already re- uh, created partnerships with some of the schools the kids are going back to so that they support these efforts or, or that it's structural or are the kids going back in there and trying to create that? Yeah. So it varies a little bit. We've had some schools where we've had campers from there every year. Um, and we have teacher supporters or administrators and teacher, um, and school leaders who um, really care about our work and do what they can to support us both with recruitment and then with uh, plans for disruption is what we call them. Uh, when the campers go back to, make their schools more inclusive places. And and the specific charge that campers are given um, is to think about um, another student or a group of students who are excluded um, because of an aspect of their identity and then to take actions using um, some of the skills they learned at camp uh, in our empathy sequence um, to actually include that person. And so um, at this point, we haven't – we don't have, you know, a a school um, adult – representative who's facilitating those outside of what we do. Um, but we have three reunions during the year. Um, and actually, we're going to have four this upcoming year. Um, but at those reunions, we call them leadership retreats. We um, check in with the campers uh, on how their plans for disruption are going. Um, they do feedback cycles and editing um, and talk about what is difficult with the implementation. You know, these are not – it's not easy to – um, disrupt cycles of segregation in middle school and to ask middle schoolers to do so is is a um, a deep and important task. And so one of the things that can be really powerful too is at these retreats you see middle schoolers giving each other feedback and support on, oh, this is what I tried in my context. Um, you know, oh, there was a, a boy who was excluded because he's um, in one of the special needs programs. I tried talking to him, but he didn't really want to talk to me. What do you think I should do? Um, and have them kind of support one another. So right now we don't have, we're not relying on institutional support at the schools, but we provide our own support in these retreats um, and in our community. Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. And I think that's really amazing. And I'm wondering, the inst- the did you make a conscious choice to not bring the institutional support in because of various reasons, or is this just something that you're exploring and then you might explore that later? Yeah, we may, we are exploring that, and we yeah. may explore like yeah. deeper, more cemented relationships yeah. later. Yeah, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. But I think what how meaningful for the kids? What's some of the feedback they give? Um, you you mentioned this kid doesn't want to talk to me, et cetera. But what are some of the overarching or common things students bring back to these check ins when they when they come back? Sure. So um, <laughs> our so I can talk about um like what happened this past summer and I can talk about like our current um our kids who just wrote their plans for disruption and what yeah. they have like 
identified as issues that they would like to address in their yeah, schools. Yeah. Um, so last summer, um, excuse me, um, last school year, um, during the leadership retreat series, um, the, the first one, um, we had kids actually since they had been in school for a few months um, and things may have changed. They rewrote their plans for disruption. Cool. And then in the second leadership retreat, that's when they came back and like asked for feedback. So we had structured protocols. And so the things that kids said varied. So we had two boys who attend the same school who actually um, it seemed like they were actually having an impact in the school community. But then we had other. So you may have that. We also have some kids who um, may decide like actually. I'm I didn't fully see the social norms that existed in my school that are exclusionary. So they may say at the second leadership retreat, oh, actually, while at the first one I thought this was either I didn't think I could focus on something or this was the thing I was going to focus on, I'm actually going to shift it. Um, Or you may have kids who say that um, here, you know, here are the issues with mine. Um, In terms of our our new um, year one commoners who, who, excuse me, our commoners are the name we give our kids um, because it's Camp Common Ground Commoners. Um, um, so after their first year, they implement their plan for disruption. Um, and I, I can give like a particular example. Yeah. So each kid has their own. But um, there's a boy who attends a school in West Oakland. And um, one thing that he saw is that there is a norm around black bo- black kids, particularly boys, being expected to be good at basketball. And so what he sees is that there are kids who are white who are teasing this particular black boy who is not good at basketball. And so one thing he wants to do is use the skills we teach around um, conflict resolution, paraphrasing for feelings and need to bridge gaps between the boy um, who is being excluded or teased and the other, the rest of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Wow. I mean, each kid has their own. Um, yeah. For, yeah. That's pretty incredible because, yeah. it, and that makes sense too, like a white kid or Asian kid or Latino kid it, it might not be good at basketball. Nobody cares. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. this poor little black kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. And that the student was able to sort of zero in on that mm-hmm. and then cr- potentially create some real meaning around mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Has there been, um, so that's a beautiful story. Has there been another sort of success story or, or many, anything that stands out to either one of you uh, that you um, that you want to share that was really like, wow, wow, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I see you, Ron, you're nodding. Yeah, well, I, think, I think, no, you, you know, <laughs> I think we both, we both have them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's so many things, and I think not just with the plan for disruption, but just even at our summer program. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one thing, particularly this summer that we just ended, yeah. um, you know, this is our third year, and I think, you know, they said the third time is a charm, right? And so I think in our third year, we had some new challenges that I think we handled really well. So this is our first year having two cohorts. Okay. Um, and so what the challenge is as leaders, it's like we also are the lead instructors, and so it's hard to be, whereas before we were in the same place. Place all the time to manage things. This year we were separate. Um, and then also the kids that we had, we had kids who had some unique needs that we had never had to address before. So for example, we had um, children with certain disabilities that we were not sure how to manage because we had not had that experience. Um, and so we did a number of things before camp to, in terms of reaching out to their families, uh, reaching out. Um, I know Zach reached out to one of the, the advisors of one of the kids at the mm-hmm. school. Um, you know, we we also yeah. um, try to rely on um, you know outside resources. So there was a webinar that that we watched around like how to support kids with certain disabilities, um, and I think that what the success for me is just seeing the kids who who have 
from their parents say like they have been hesitant to send them to a program where they go away because they were afraid that no one else would want to deal with them or know how to manage them. But just seeing a their ability to complete the program um, successfully, but also like not just that, but also them acquire the skills that we the outcomes that we had listed for them, um, and also um, just the amount of growth that they showed over a short amount of time. Um, and so for me, that was just a recent ex- success that comes to mind for a few of our kids. Yeah, yeah, that's so amazing. Zach, did you want to? Sure. Yeah, just to build on that, um, I think you know there, there's the plan for disruption piece that happens during the school year, but also the the growth that happens at camp um, can be pretty profound. Um, and you know, some are related directly to our outcomes, um, which are around empathy, intercultural understanding, and leadership. Um, but some are are um, really just a, around the ability to be vulnerable, which is one of our goals in in um, our empathy sequence um, and to express feelings. And so. Um, I'm thinking about our first summer. We had a, a boy who um, told me it felt like he he spent an evening after we weren't even doing programming, and he was just talking to um, uh, two other boys in his cabin, just up late, just sharing personal stories about you know they're from very different backgrounds, but um, had had some um, common struggles. And he said it feels like I have 100 pounds off my chest. I've never talked to anyone about these things before, and I just really trust these guys. Wow. Um, and so you know that that can happen at at camp um, can be really powerful. And we, we do also do surveys at the beginning and end, um, which, you know, are quantitative, but um, in a, a youth leadership development survey, it asks about, like, can express feelings, can trust others. And those are actually some of the ones we've seen the most dramatic um, gains on. That's really incredible. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, and then uh, Ron, and then Zach, you brought it up now, the idea of story sharing and building mm-hmm. relationships across. Uh, Civity is all about, mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. sharing stories to mm-hmm. build relationships. And and then you mentioned research. I, I I I don't know. I need to find this research, mm-hmm. but I've heard about research that when you get people who are different to um, engage in an activity, mm-hmm. whatever that may be, mm-hmm. that they they that they work together. And then once they've worked together, they're more likely to be able to talk to each other about things that are hard or mm-hmm. different or whatever. And so it sounds like you may be building on that kind of research. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I can I can speak a little bit to that. Um, yeah. So there's there's a few pieces of research that we we use as the grounding of our organization. Um, the one you're speaking about is actually one by Schroeder and Risen, which okay. is called Intergroup Contact Theory. And oh. so what these two researchers did, they studied an organization called Seeds of Peace um, for four years, um, and it's um, I think it's actually one of the few longitudinal studies about bringing. T- Two groups. In this case, it was Israeli youth and Palestinian youth who are who are in conflict from conflict in, a, in an area um, stricken by conflict together. And basically, the point of Seeds of Peace is to kind of build community between those two groups. Um, and so, these researchers study what is the impact of this program on the beliefs and attitudes of youth who are attending this program. Wow. And so, um, what. Like, I want to talk about why, kind of what they found and also why I think that is really important for Camp Common Ground. Um, uh, so the first thing they found is that there were more positive attitudes, that, that each group had more positive attitudes towards the other. Um, and the second thing is that they were more likely to actually engage in um, kind of larger community activities or believe in the power in larger community activities that could bridge gaps between the two communities, not just within their own, like among each other, if that makes sense. Um, and so for us, actually, that directly aligns with our skills that we teach. So in our in our year one kids, um, we teach, you know, in our in our 
identity sequence or intercultural understanding sequence, um, we get them to understand what is their identity and how there are certain social norms that value certain aspects of some identity over others. And in our year two, they actually look at what are the biases and stereotypes that I have um, because of my identity, because of like other like um, kind of influences in my life. So it could be my family, the media, um, just general culture, et cetera. Um, and how am I going to break down kind of those yeah. internal stereotypes that I have, which which aligns with the Seeds of Peace work. And then, then in our first year, um, kind of the leadership piece is, like Zach mentioned, the plan for disruption where it's focusing on an individual kid. But in our year two, they actually look at more of a community focus. Um, so um, those young people... Um, in the year two, when they leave us, their final kind of simulation is they design an event where they've looked at actually social norms that exist within our year one community. So like in the kids who are younger than them and they identify three norms and then they plan an activity that disrupt those norms. Wow. Um, and so um, Zach was that's why we're having a fourth reunion, because the fourth one is actually the one that they planned. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're really hitting on so many things. And so I actually want to step back for a minute because you said you met at a camp and decided to do this. But why? What was it? What made you decide to do this? Uh, Zach? Yeah, sure. So I can – there's sort of the pre-me meeting run and then the, <laughs> the post run. Um, uh, this initially came – actually started as a, a paper in college uh, when I was a sophomore. I was at UPenn um, and was an urban studies major. And um, my professor at the time actually told me that um, it was never going to happen and um, a terrible idea. Um, and Ooh. I know. Well, I've gotten to contact <laughs> him since and uh, he's helped me out. Oh, that's awesome. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I went to Jewish summer camp for 10 years myself growing up for eight weeks every summer. And it was an incredibly powerful um, socializing influence on me um, in many positive ways, but also in some negative ones. Um, uh, including, I think, some uh, models of masculinity that were a little um, problematic. And um, also, um, you know, it's, it's Jewish summer camp is a, a fundamentally insular institution. And I think as I got into college, I felt like, um, you know, I, I was seeing at, at UPenn, you know, a, 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 an institution that has a historically bad relationship with um, the community that hosts it. So, um, you know, in West Philadelphia, actually, the area that is now called University City used to be called Black Bottom, and there was a lot of displacement and then erasure even of the name. Um, and I was working in a at University City High School. It's now closed down. Um, and, and I feel like um, just what I saw of the relationships between um, particularly my pens, my fellow Penn students um, and the residents of West Philadelphia, it just felt like there was this major otherizing going on. Um, and a lot of it was around race. West Philadelphia is a historically black community um, and Penn is a predominantly white institution. Um, and I just sort of felt like how, you know, and, and I've talked about this too, that um, I think that the most startling times I would see this is sort of there were a lot of um, homeless black folks who were like on or around campus and sort of the way that um, I felt like, you know, the, the affluent white Penn student on his way to a frat party sort of stepping over around homeless black person, not looking at them twice. It's like that only can work in a world where you don't view that person as fully human um, or very least not in your own community. Um, and I thought about the folks in my Jewish community who got gotten second, third, fourth, fifth chances um, from us because they were one of us. And so that what would be required for people of such different backgrounds 
backgrounds to all feel like they are one of us. Um, and so that's where the idea of summer camp um, came from. And I had actually um, been aware of Seeds of Peace since I was in high school and um, uh, found them very inspiring. And so it's sort of like, could we do what they were doing um, for um, Palestinians and Israelis, but do it for like the urban-suburban divide or just racial divides within our own cities? Yeah. And so then um, I had sort of pursued it obliquely for a few years. I visited a bunch of summer camps, um, got some business skills, um, and then I was just lucky enough to meet Ron, and they were trying to recruit him to be the director of Camp Galileo. And I was like, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you do this with me instead? <laughs> that's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. That's, for, that's amazing. Uh, did you want to add anything to that, Ron? Um, no, I mean, that's the his, yeah, and then we met, we started off as actually friends, um, and then over time, we, like, I just learned more about Camp Common Ground, I think, um, like, I also, as a, having, having, having taught in high school, um, for a number of years, just seeing some of the things that Zach was mentioning, um, but at the high school level with youth, and then thinking about what would it look like in a, um, kind of an alternative learning space um, to actually address those issues. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty, that's incredible. And I and what I really, I just want to commend you so much for taking this on and doing this. I, I, I've not thought about it as deeply as you guys, obviously, but just teaching, I teach it at San Francisco mm-hmm. State. And I went to schools like UCLA and Stanford mm-hmm. where there, you know, it was, it was not quite UPenn, but very, you know, in this, on the road to what UPenn is. And here, you know, when the recent election happened, I had students, you know, Latino students who were scared out of their minds for their families. Mm-hmm. And how does that impact their studies? And mm-hmm. do they get understanding? And do they get the support and the nurturing they need? Mm-hmm. And luckily, at this campus, in a lot of ways, they do. But in a lot of campuses, they might not. There might be this, or, or a lot of communities, obviously, there's not that support. In fact, it's the exact opposite. And so I think anything we can do, especially starting at such a young age with kids, to to start building these types of thinking. And that was sort of my next question to you is you you bring these middle schoolers in. Um, and I, I, you know, I think about the divides we have in our country. And there are some parents who may not want their kids, quote, exposed to or or to be thinking along these lines. And I'm curious what you know, is that, is that something you guys have had to navigate? Uh, do you bring kids in from various um, ideological backgrounds as well? Mm-hmm. Um, it, maybe not, but if so, I'm curious to kind of know how that's been going. Yeah, so um, that, I think one of the things that we 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 do that may circumvent some of those issues yeah. around like, um, like, like around like people not being satisfied with the program is is we definitely welcome people of all ideological sure. beliefs, et cetera. But during we actually do the way we recruit is um, we part of our recruitment process after people apply, we actually interview each kid. Yeah. Um, and so part of the interview is actually talking to their family and we talk to them about like the plan for disruption. Um, we talk to them about like kind of the leadership retreat commitment. Um, so people don't just view this as like a summer camp that is like, you know, um, that's like more of what you may think of when you think of a summer camp, but it's actually kind of like a, um, a leadership fellowship in a way. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that has really helped making sure that the families, our staff, our team, the kids are more on the same page um, than they would be otherwise. Okay. Um, and I definitely think like, you know, one of the things we try to work on is like thinking about what does diversity look like for our among our kids. Um, our mission is around racial and economic. So that's our focus. But 
at camp, actually, we end up speaking a lot about a lot of different other forms of norms that exist around gender, sexual orientation, um, religion, um, you know, et cetera. So it's not just kind of like, you know, racial and economic segregation. So it it kind of lends itself, kind of the program is is not restricted to just speaking about those issues. That's great. Yeah. And and you're right, racial and economic are huge st- cornerstones, but you're right, all of the rest of it is wrapped up in it, mm-hmm. so of course it would come up. Mm-hmm. Zach, I'm sorry, you were going to add to that. Um, yeah, just just to say that's a good question, and um, actually our first summer, um, we had trouble recruiting. When, when you say like not wanting to be exposed, I assume you're right. talking more about um, white and affluent families. Right. Um, and we had a lot of trouble recruiting that demographic, and uh, there was someone who I considered sort of an advisor, and she said, you know, people in the Bay Area talk a big game, but I think when it comes down to it, those families aren't really out there who want to do this. Um, and so it's it's been a testament to, uh, I think, our program and those families that there are those families out there increasingly so. And this summer we actually had uh, – we had to turn away some, um, some white campers um, mm-hmm. and um, – so, so, so that's one piece. Um, another piece I think is – um, we are trying to um, surface that issue. Um, we had this year a really, I thought, awesome uh, event. Um, it was a community roundtable on school segregation. Um, so it was sort of a public education as well as a fundraising event. Um, but uh, we brought um, school board members in Oakland, city council members, someone from the ACLU, principal and parent, um, and to represent different perspectives. And um, one of the panelists, um, this parent talked about, he was a white parent, talked about, you know, um, we need to be naming some of the ways white parents are making choices. And it's like, okay, you want diversity. So if 10% of your classroom is black, is that good? What about 20? What about 50? Um, and, and I think that, um, one of the things that's exciting about Camp Common Grounds, I think it does start to surface those issues of why are you uncomfortable? What What is your line and why is it there? Um, and to not allow those assumptions to just go unspoken, but to have to kind of explain, explain why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. The parents kind of have to come to this as well mm-hmm. because you include them, it sounds like, mm-hmm. in the whole process. Um, and and I, I mean, I said earlier, and I could be wrong about this, but I I. I I was thinking this age group might be a great age group before it gets too entrenched. Do you find that? It sounds as if you have some amazing stories about kids just sitting down starting to talk and, wow, I connect with you. But do you find that there are ever issues or challenges getting the kids to really let go of their own biases or mm-hmm. – yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that, Ronnie? Sure. Um, so I think one – one thing is I can speak about why we focus on middle school in the first to, place. Yeah. Um, so actually that goes back to kind of some other pieces of research. Um, UCLA um, Civil Rights Project and also um, Oakland Achieves, uh, which was like – it actually has been disbanded. But there's there was this coalition of kind of educational leaders in Oakland. And basically in both of those kind of – um, reports that they issue, they said that, you know, schools and communities are segregated. And in fact, the UCLA one said that it's more segregated than they were in the 80s. Um, and the Oakland Achieves report found that in Oakland in particular, um, kids in elementary school, you will find that they are going to school with kids who are um, – like kind of represent the diversity of uh, the the city in general. That's not always the case, but in general. Um, but by middle school, you have this exodus of um, particularly white and Asian kids from the school system. Um, and they didn't cite reasons for that. Um, 
But the reason why we focus on middle school is one is like because of that research finding that this is the first time in a kid's educational career where they're experiencing that. The second thing is just the reality is just developmentally they're like figuring out their identity, right? right? And it's identity forming um, developmental stage. And so it kind of makes them right to talk about these issues. Um, and the third thing I think is, and to go back to your question about like some of the challenges, yeah. um, absolutely. Like one is we know that part of middle school is teaching social skills, right? And so <laughs> one is like, you know, not only are we asking you to like collaborate in a group to lead a change effort, right, which is a big endeavor, but we're also asking you to be vulnerable and share your feelings, et cetera, to build relationships, right? And so I just think all the social skill pieces that go into that um, – like are just challenging to teach, you know, in general, um, you know, and especially when you have such a short amount of time with them. So yeah. I think that becomes a challenge. And I also think the nature of what we try to teach makes it challenging. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's our year two commoners. Um, we ask them to think about what are the the forces that that have actually influenced maybe some of the biases that you have. And so to like get a kid to think about their blind spots in that way um, is just challenging. Um, to get an adult to do that is challenging. Totally, right? yeah. Um, and I think that the, just like the nature of the content of what we teach and also just the reality of what's going on with them developmentally at that age um, those make it challenging. Yeah, exactly. I just want to build off that. Um, this is a great question. Um, First, uh, um, I think, uh, talk about this piece that it's hard to teach middle schoolers some of these skills. Um, we actually spend time during staff training talking about doing sort of a developmental awareness session, and we reference research on kind of where 6th, 7th, and 8th graders are, um, and Ron and I are both middle school teachers ourselves. Um, and so part of what we try and do and what's so fun about camp is that we can use um, some concrete and experiential learning to um, – get them to have some of these self-awarenesses that can otherwise be very abstract and, conceptu and conceptual. And I want to use one example that um, is just sort of fun that we did this summer, which is um, our empathy sequence for our year twos um, is about uh, giving and receiving feedback non-defensively. And we break that up actually into four workshops. So one is on giving feedback, one is receiving feedback, one is responding to feedback, and one is soliciting feedback. Wow. And it actually gets to a place where campers have written quality feedback for three of their peers and they sort of sit in a circle and, and give it to each other and then respond to it. Um, but in our workshop on re uh, receiving feedback, um, we talk about, you know, our we ha all have a defender that like wants to protect us when we're vulnerable, but that that actually doesn't allow uh, important messages to come through. And so before we actually deliver some of that critical feedback. Um, we have the campers uh, stand, and I tell them I'm going to spray a water cannon at them. And I spray a water cannon, and we say, okay, how did that feel? It felt cold and bad. <laughs> and uh, what did you do? I turned away, trying to protect myself. said, okay, now I want you to just stare at me in the eyes, and I'm telling you I'm going to give you a piece of critical feedback, and I'm going to spray you with the water cannon. You're not going to move. And they do that. And I think that sticks with them um, when then we're actually giving them critical feedback of they're like, okay, I'm going to be aware of my emotional state. I'm going to know that I'm going to want to defend myself, but I'm just going to actually let it come through and, you know, screen some stuff out. But, wow. Um, so that's an example of sort of like pairing the concrete with abstract. That's incredible. I'm going to do that with my niece. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, and then to answer the other question you had of like, is it too late or like some kids really entrenched? Um, 
I think something we take really seriously is our culture at camp in addition to our outcomes. Um, we think that that's where a lot of the learning does happen. And we, we say over and over again that we have different norms at Camp Common Ground. So things that you may be allowed to do elsewhere, those are not our norms here. And we have them sign a behavior contract with things like you may not use any derogatory language or slurs. Um, and uh, we give lots of examples around that and really hold kids accountable. Um, and, you know, we have had kids who come in with different, like, lingo and slang that um, is really commonplace for them, but are slurs, and we absolutely don't allow them. We've actually had to send campers home for, for things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and um, at the same time, it also um, is a really great opportunity sometimes to um, give them some of that kind of feedback that they wouldn't normally get. So, for example, this summer we had a, uh, a white female camper who said um, – made some, some comments that were um, – racially insensitive. And um, she wasn't totally aware, didn't totally understand why. Um, and not only did she, we get to, you know, she had has consequences. She had to call the parents of those campers. Um, uh, and we talked to her parent, but also wow. we, had a, we had a chance to have her write a public apology and for not just us to go over it with her, but actually one of the boys who was offended to explain why and to sort of have some of that feedback. That's Um, incredible. Yeah, so we try and pair skill building with consequences Mm -hmm. as a way to say, you know, we know that you are not used to these norms where you come from, but we have them here. Um, And and I think this also gets back to Ron's point of like it's not only about race. Um, And we did have some, you know, or race or or class, you know, we do have some campers who – um, we had some campers this summer who had different needs than we were used to. And we talk about aspects of identity, including popularity status, because that's really salient for yes. middle schoolers. Yes. And so we actually think it's really important that there are a variety of kids at the camp because we try and get them to experience different norms with a diverse population. And so we expect that conflict. Um, but then we feel like um, through the workshops and through our culture and um, a sort of our, our skill building through discipline that um, they can adjust to those norms. Yeah, that is incredible. And I think it's so important. You're right. In middle school and for adults, there's so much lack of realization. And there's kind of – there, I was thinking two parts while you both were talking. And one is that, the idea of reteaching norms, especially if you can do it at a camp where it's a closed system and you can say this isn't the norm you have to live with for the rest of your life. We hope you do. But it's here. And two, you've both mentioned this, and Zach, you just mentioned it recently, is, is naming it. You know, like actually saying this is how – you can receive f- feedback in a healthy way. This is how you can give feedback in a healthy way. Uh, sometimes in civity, we talk a lot about how society just thinks those things are baseline, right? They mm-hmm. they think, oh, everybody, sh- we don't need to talk about relationships or feedback or things like that. Those are just things everyone should know. But what what we at civity are kind of noticing, and it sounds as if you're noticing the same thing, is that these aren't things that are taught. You know, people don't know until you name it, until you walk them through it. It's not... It's not wasted time. It's time really establishing a foundation that we can all sort of uh, live with and, and understand. So I think that, you know, again, I think it's pretty incredible. How do the students respond? So this 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 uh, young woman that you mentioned had to call the families of the people she offended. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. I, can, I mean, God, if I were to, oh, God, I would shrivel. Mm-hmm. How did she, how'd she do? How'd she, how'd she get through it? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it wasn't necessarily easy, but I also feel like that's why we go through this whole yeah. interview process is because we need that buy-in of, hey, you're committing yeah. to, to growing in this way. Yeah. Um, and I think she actually really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we're hoping we'll get, you know, more, you know, this year and next summer with her to continue building those skills. And, and I'll also say that sometimes the parents can be um, huge allies here. So another example that you might not think of as super important to, you know, our mission around disrupting racial and economic segregation, but it is part of this new norms, is we came down really hard on gossiping this year um, because that is part of that inclusivity. Right. Um, and so there was a, a girl who had a bunch of consequences as well because she was gossiping. And we did like a whole skill building thing where during her, you know, when she was missing her other activities, she had to come up with a list of 20 other conversation topics she could talk about besides talking about other people. She came up with a list of sentence starters that she, in her public apology, asked for accountability of, if you hear me starting a sentence with, did you hear, then you should cut me off. Um, and so we then uh, scanned the documents that she had written and sent them to her uh, mom and explained all this to mom and that you know this girl had a goal of stopping her friends from gossiping back at school. So we try and have it not just, we know that our norms are different at camp and we acknowledge that they may be different than where they're coming from, but we try and then work with the families um, to see those norms continue back at back in their schools. Awesome, that's incredible, incredible. And I'm curious for the uh, on the on the flip side whether there was some being gossiped about or for the boy or, or the kids who were offended by this girl you mentioned earlier. Um I and I'm thinking about adults in my life and particularly my husband who's like I don't want to be the one who has to explain this all the time. I don't want to be everybody's teacher. You know, that gets exhausting. And so I'm curious um, I, I, you, I, you interview the kids, you get them to all buy in on this. Uh, um, I'm wondering if that fatigue sets in and it sounds as if you've got a beautiful structure to move them through it, but I'm curious to know how, when, you know, how they respond to the process they have to go through, like, oh, I got to help another, you know, white girl figure it out <laughs> rather than, you know, it, but it sounds as if they're up for it. Um, but I'm curious if you guys have anything you want to say about that. Yeah, I think that goes back to culture. So actually, yeah. um, like while we've just mentioned two instances since, and this was, these were, hap these happened these past, this past summer, like mm -hmm. last week, um, we actually, since our beginning, we've done that. Um, yes. So we actually have a, we, and we tell kids that during their first night with us, during our orientation with them, yeah. um, that this is what, um, you know, like, I guess where we call discipline will look like. Um, and these are the things that we have done in the past. So, um, you know, I've never directly talked to a kid about this, but I would just imagine that they aren't surprised when they have to do it because we've named it. We, we're very transparent. Right, and I think right. um, for us, it's just making sure that we are like clear, consistent and fair with discipline. Um, and also we hold lines and we, we're clear about what those lines are. And also we attend to the skill building piece yeah. um, when it is like those lines have not been crossed, if that makes sense, where it yeah. involves safety. Yeah. Um, for example, so um, so yeah, I mean, but I think like us being very transparent with them, um, also being transparent with their families as much as possible. Here's why we're doing this. Um, you know, we we've kind of done that since our first year, and I think this year in particular because it's our it was our third year, we just have more bandwidth to address more of those things, uh, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. I um I noticed uh, on your Facebook page, and I wanted to play a clip of it. I will add it in right here. But there's this great clip. Um, I think it's you, Ron, leading the uh, the sing along. The sing off, yeah. <laughs> and the the audio is so vibrant and so energetic. And then if you can see the video, it's you going running back and forth. <laughs> and I I'm imagining now that you've mentioned it that that's part of the cohort model that you were with your cohort. Um, but but I mean, what a fun way to. I mean, it sounds as it it, it appears as if and sounds as if there's so much act 
action going on, an mm-hmm. activity, and mm-hmm. the kids are going back and forth and building. I, I in that you may have talked about it, and if so, I'm sorry. But in that moment, uh, can you talk a little bit about how that? may encapsulate what Camp Common Ground is. Yeah, so so that video actually um, on Facebook it is not from camp. It's actually from our third leadership retreat sorry, this summer. Sorry, I did read that. I'm uh, sorry. I know yeah. it's fine. I just, but I think like to your point about how, what that encapsulates. So what, what to me is so, when I watch that video, what is so um, like powerful about that is that you have kids, their families, um, so adults, uh, and then our team, right, all participating in this sing-off, which is like fun, community building, et cetera. Um, but I think that actually encapsulates kind of what our focus is um, long term with mm-hmm. Camp Common Ground. Um, that's in our kind of our strategic plan, which is really around the impact we want to have on our commoners, our kids, yeah. um, the impact we want to have on their families and get them to have on their families, which is something our year two started mm-hmm. thinking about this summer. Um, and that was our first time kind of like piloting that with them. Um, and, then, and then also the, the impact we want to have on our the adults who not only like um, work for Camp Common Ground. So yeah. me and Zach, our board of directors, um, you know, our our, our staff, um, but also like the support, the adult supporters. Um, so thinking about how at all levels of our organization um, do we like realize this mission that we have. And so to me, that video sh- is like a starting point for like the community building that has to happen to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think long term, we're trying to like even amplify, build on that and yeah. amplify that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So where do you want to take, so Camp Common Ground, you're young, three years in, uh, what do you, how do you want this to reverberate out from the kids that you're working with now? What what do you want? What's your yeah, I mean you started this for a reason. You've you've articulated some of those things. What do you want to see? What's your ideal ten years down the road, twelve years down the road? Uh, Zach, are you anyway? Sure. Um well we have a vision that we actually recrafted this year with the help of our board to think about like our five to ten year yeah. um vision because it is a complicated question. What does ideal integration look like? What what is the world we want to see? Um uh, around different aspects of identity. Um, and I'll just name a couple things, and then, Ron, yeah. please feel free to, to build on this. Um, you know, I think our theory of change um, is is multifold. Um, so one part of it is at the individual level changing um, these campers' um, attitudes around diversity, their skill building, um, so they can then go back and affect their institutions um, and make these middle schooler, middle schools more inclusive places. And so if you have, you know, we have something like 25 middle schools represented at camp, you know, if all of those middle schools in the Bay Area um, have champions for inclusivity and campers that are breaking some of these norms and setting new norms, over time, you know, those kids then become high schoolers. Like that can really create some major ripple effects. Um, and then another piece, as Ram was just talking about in our adult community, is that we're also trying to work to create sort of um, a model of a diverse, integrated, loving community um, with kids and families where the campers are actually like the deep connection points between their families and otherwise segregated communities. So at that leadership retreat, for example, the families that you're seeing there as well are not people who, pro- who normally would necessarily meet each other. Right. Um, and for this reunion that our um, alumni campers, so after their second year, they're sort of become alumni um, – what the reunion they'll be planning, not only are they planning um, three hours of programming to address these social norms um, that will be for – that um, they've seen and observed in the year one campers, but they will also be each inviting a family or friend. Um, and so if that continues to grow with our alumni base, we could you know, 
could envision a, a, a world in which um, these are, are an extended community um, of people who didn't just go to Camp Common Ground but are somehow connected to someone who did um, and can be can access sort of Camp Common Ground community through one of our events, um, if not at the camp itself. So that's that's one answer. Yeah, amazing, Ron. Yeah, and I think the just that, like to add on to that um, around kind of the other piece is more of the adults who are not family members. Um, so. Um, and we haven't done a lot of work on this, but I can tell you some examples of things we have done. So I think first, me and Zach have felt um, kind of the onus on us to start with ourselves. So like in our leadership team, because we represent, um, you know, different like backgrounds, right? Um, and I think there are, there are challenges with that, right? Just like you would have on any team. And I think one thing um, that I'm really proud of is that, I mean, there's many things I'm proud of, but like one thing that I think is unique is that we actually share those issues with our board of directors. Mm-hmm. We name them. We name them when we've been invited to speak at other places. We share like kind of the challenges we have around communication, decision-making, because um each of us has a different lens that is informed by our identity um, around how we our preferences around doing things. And we actually have a document. It's called a working norms document where we kind of outline what those differences are and then what is the common ground we find um, to, to negotiate all of that. Um, so really starting with ourselves and then. We, we started, um, as Zach talked about, with the community roundtable on school segregation. Uh, we engaged. That was the first time where we brought our um, some of our supporters together. It was about 70 of them together um, to actually discuss something related to our mission that was not like more of like a happy hour or a fundraising event. Um, that's more like, you know, is community building, but doesn't really get at our core. And so that was our first time doing that. And so... Um, what we'll have to think about for this next season is, like, how do we build on that? Are we able to build on that? Um, what would that look like in a sustainable way? Um, but th- those are pieces that we're thinking about in terms of the the not, the not adults who are not a part of, like, our families. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure, just, Zach. Just to build on that, um, you know, there's a lot of things I admire about Ron um, and love about him. But one thing um, is his integrity, um, I think, is, is a really important value. And he brings that to our organization and um, that sort of um, – piece of, you know, the adults, the, the staff, our board, families, like it, at all levels of the organization, we try and live our values, which is a really hard thing to do. Um, but we really do work hard at it. And, and actually, I would say, you know, some of our curriculum is even inspired by our own work together because we, we try and um, do the work ourselves that we ask our commoners to do. And so like even the feedback sequence this year, part of that had to do with like how we give feedback to each other and trying to work through that. Um, and we try and be really honest about, yeah, that our our different backgrounds do, we have different communication styles and, and things like that. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to just wanted to mention that. Yeah. No, and and it's funny. It just in in my experience working with you and you both to try to set this up and then reading about you, it actually I've got to say it comes through. I've had very little in, interaction you. with you until this moment, <laughs> and I thank you. You feel like this amazing team. Like I, it thank comes you. through. So, I don't know how to explain it, but I've, you don't often feel that, and so mm-hmm. I I just think that's a beautiful thing, and it makes it even more exciting to talk with you guys about what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank absolutely. You. Yes. Uh, Sorry, just one more thing on this <laughs> is. Um, you know, often when people ask the question of where do you see this going in five to ten years, yeah. the question they're asking is like, so are you going to scale? When is this going to be mm-hmm. in every city around the country kind of thing? And um, I also really want to credit Ron here on on supporting me and thinking about, you know, being skeptical of that and trying to be really good at what we're doing before we try and, you know, focus on on growth. And so, you know, there was a reason our first summer – 
you know, we would have loved to take our campers back, but we weren't, we wanted to actually refine our year one curriculum before we built a year two. And so we are trying to be really thoughtful of having that integrity throughout our organization. Um, and that, that's just part of the logic as we think about over the next five to 10 years, what do we become? Yeah, that's incredible because it's especially living in the Bay Area with Silicon Valley and, and it, it, there is such a like let's scale before we think, you know, and and let's let you know big new idea, and and so to push back on that, not only just amongst yourselves, but in the the culture that we live in is is a big deal. So that's great. So we just have a few minutes left with each other, and so what I what I actually want to ask you before we go is a proudest moment. Now things have come up, and and um, so maybe you've already covered this, but a proudest moment, whether it was a student who made an impact at school, something that happened at camp, something that happened between you guys, whatever it is, I would love to hear from each of you. I don't know who's ready to start wow. first. <laughs> um. <laughs> I can say something. Okay, Zach, Zach, yeah. please. I need to think about oh, this. I'm yeah. going to bring out a visual aid here, which no one outside of you will see. But That's um, I can take a picture of it. So this is um, one of our medallions. Okay, it's this beautiful blue clay-looking <laughs> medallion that's handwritten with empathy on it with yes. a string that can go around your neck. Exactly. So we have three medallions, one um, for each of our core skills. So we have an empathy medallion, an understanding medallion, and a leadership medallion. And um, at camp, one of our favorite traditions is around the campfire, you can be um, awarded one of these medallions for um, – really displaying one of those skills. Um, and so the staff will talk about it, we'll talk about it, and then we'll sort of award someone. And, and once you've been awarded one, then you kind of hand it off to the next person and they wear it for like 24 hours. Um, yeah, and it, it can mean a lot to, to some of these kids. Um, and so there's a number of campers I can think of um, when when they've been awarded one of these. But one of them um, was the last uh, leadership award of this summer was this camper named Amaya, um, who is a student at uh, Ron's school um, and is, you know, finished her second year and her just um, at the end just saying, you know, in response after getting the award, you know, thank you so much for, um, you know, making this wonderful community. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to be a part of it um, uh, going forward. And and she's someone who um, signed up to be really involved in the reunion planning going forward of like setting up the um, you know, uh, message uh, system, uh, group messaging with with her class. Um, and so, you know, to me, that was just a really special moment because um, this is someone, this is a camper who I think has really taken up the identity of being a commoner. Um, and to her, you know, we... You know, we just created this community. It didn't it didn't exist before? And so, hearing from someone else that no, this is a community, and I want to be a part of it going forward, and and seeing her take up the mantle um, is really a proud moment for me because it's, um, you know, if there's if there's folks like her who are going to hold this community going forward, we'll we'll be okay. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Ron, you want to share? Yeah, can I say two? <laughs> of actually? course, Sorry, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, there are so many. Wow. Um, one, I would say, I can talk about one that just happened recently. So um, there was this boy. Um, his name's Gavin, um, and he um, had he has autism. And his parents had they had sent him to day camps. And actually, he went to the camp. We didn't know this, but he went to the camp where Zach and I met. Actually, like, um, like, and he loved that camp. But it's a day camp. They do a lot of these projects, et cetera. Um, and if you met 
Gavin, you would know why he likes that, right? Um, they let you do, a, it's a lot of autonomy. Um, and at Camp Common Ground, like, we have a lot of structure. Like, kids go to workshop to learn skills. There's a leadership journal where they have to write. It's overnight. All those things he was just not into. And so <laughs> on the first day, um, he gave a lot of pushback. Um, and that we're in the woods. And his mom had kind of confided in us and told us, like, how she was really hopeful about this experience. And, you know, we also know that we were really trying to make it so it was this our program was accessible to him and so um you know we had conversations with him and we had to do some interventions but like just to see him by the end of the two weeks like not standing up and volunteering um to be like um to do things um sharing about his experiences with identity about his disability with the camp and being open with that um seeing the other rest of the community accept him where um his mom had told us that he actually is not accepted fully in a lot of spaces at his school um related to his disability um and just seeing how um the whole community rallied around um this particular kid and led to his success um and i think the, that builds into the second thing that I'm really proud of is yeah. I think is more from an organizational standpoint because um, I do believe in like the power of leadership and I think when you're the leader it's it's kind of like a thankless job in some ways because you're never going to get like the credit for saying even though you know you did something to like make this other thing happen right um, and I think just what I'm really proud of as one of the leaders is a like our leadership team, like and just the the things that we've talked about, the conversations we've had, um, and just the growth that we've had as leaders, and also just that how that has um, trickled down into our staff, mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. of our into our kids. Um, seeing not just kids want to be a part of our community, but also the adults want to be a part of our community, whether it be at camp or like, you know like coming to a community roundtable on school segregation on a Thursday night, like, and we can get 70 people or coming to this happy hour to support or calling their friends and family to give money to Camp Common Ground. Like, like just all those things to me are a testament to like, I feel like um, just all of the key stakeholders at Camp Common Ground playing a role to support kids, but support one another. Yeah. Yeah, Just to build on that, um, you know, we, we try and be thoughtful with, um, our outcomes, we had a, um, a graduate student at UC Berkeley Grad School of Education um, uh, f- help us find a few surveys, um, the IRI, Perspective Taking Index, and um, we use the Rosenberg Self-Esteem Survey and things like that. But, you know, it's it's often the self-reported just transformational experience um, and and sense of growth that is so powerful. Um, and so there was a, a staff member this summer who felt she works as a, as a counselor um, in a residential mental health facility. Um, and she was sort of saying, there's just so much I'm going to bring back from this to, to my job and feel like I've, I've learned so much. Um, to thinking about our, our first summer, we had a, a camper who was struggling with self-esteem um, and her, you know, sh- she did an exit interview where she sort of said, you know, I came in, I, I felt like a follower and now I feel like I can really be a leader. And her parents said it was like night and day after camp. So, mm-hmm. so those sort of, those are all mm-hmm. that growth, um, I think is, is also really gratifying. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Those are great stories and really a testament to, again, the community that you have built and the structure that you have created to help these kids and these families and your stakeholders, you know, push this forward too. So, yeah. So thank you for the work you're doing. All right. So our time has come to an end. If anybody, I, I'm imagining everyone who listens to this wants to jump in and get involved. So if anybody does want to get involved in whatever way, how can they do that? Um, sure. So there's a few ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, 
One is, I think, like helping us assist recruiting commoners. So we're always looking for a new cohort of commoners. Um, So we'll begin kind of... Um, kind of the recruitment process for year one, um, probably like in December, November, December. Right. Um, we may open our application later, but we're always like starting to put out feelers and reach out to schools in around November, December. So if people are connected to kids and families who are interested, um, that would be really helpful. The other thing is just um, we are a nonprofit, so fundraising and development is an issue, is a, is a is a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And an issue um, um, is a reality. And so um, if people want to personally donate, that is always helpful, but also if um, people have skills that are related to development um, or fundraising, that is really helpful, um, or connected to specific organizations or that may want to support Camp Common Ground, hear about our work, um, that's always really helpful. Um, you know, um, other examples are we we have had people, um, and I think we're trying to build this out more, but we've had people express an interest in volunteering. Um, and so on our website, people can go to campcommonground.org and go to like, there's like a general, a place to type in your email and just say like, if you ever have volunteer opportunities come up, um, feel free to like reach out to me. Just filling that out would be really helpful. And while we haven't um, been able to act on that yet, do the capacity, that would be, um, you know, like maybe someday we'd be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to add on to the piece around fundraising, I feel like someone listening to this might think like, oh, great, like, um, you know, racial justice, um, segregation. These are like, of course, every institutions, grants that must just be flowing for you. Um, we actually occupy this sort of um, tough space because a lot of grants are around serving low-income youth only, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we are we are um, feeling like trailblazers in some positive ways, but in some ways it's been challenging. And so also looking for folks out there who are connected to institutions that want to take up this work that maybe doesn't necessarily fit into a neat yeah. bucket right mm-hmm. now, um, but we obviously think is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's funny. I had the same experience with my dissertation. I did engagement across difference, and they're like, no, focus on this population only. Mm-hmm. No, no, but it doesn't work without everything. So <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, imp- point taken. If if there's funding opportunities mm-hmm. out there for this engagement across difference or bringing uh, you know different people from different aspects together. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one quick question: age group, mm-hmm. uh, f- first years or sixth to seventh or seventh to eighth? So we we actually it's kind of our whole any kid who is going into um, like who is like fit or excuse me who is going into seventh through ninth grade um, is what we've done historically. That yeah. may change, but uh-huh. that's like that's what we've done and. I think in our first years, we we have had kids who are going to ninth grade. We also have kids in our second years who are going into eighth grade. Got so it, it just like it really varies, and that again may shift. But right now, there's no, cool. there's not. It's not separated like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So if you have any interest in volunteering, donating, having your child attend Camp Common Ground or interview for it, go to campcommonground.org. Mm-hmm. We have been talking today with Zach Bell and Ron Towns, co-founders and co-directors of Camp Common Ground, a summer camp that brings racially and economically diverse middle schoolers together to teach them about leadership, socio-emotional and cultural competencies, and how to develop meaningful relationships with each other. This is Gina Bellaria with this is Civity Radio. Civity helps uh, people in communities build a culture of respect and empathy across difference. And our interviews explore how people across the country and the world are doing this in their communities. Ron and Zach, thank you very much for being here. And uh, we will be back very soon. So listen in to This is Civity Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Thank Gina. you. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 